Hi, I'm Grant. Let's talk about ghosts. Welcome to Grant Rants. Last week I talked about Abraham Lincoln potentially being a ghost, but now I want to talk more about why we as a society are so fascinated with ghosts, and more importantly, ghost stories. You may or may not be surprised to know that we've been documenting tales of the dead returning in an astral form for many a millennia, even going back as far as ancient times. Ghosts might be the original reason we hold funerals today. The reason for burial ceremonies from ancient people were to ensure that the departed spirit didn't come back and haunt them. People have documented seeing the departed even going as far back as the ancient Roman Empire, when noted statesman Pliny the Younger wrote of how he would see an old man in tattered clothes in chains haunting the roads at night. Ghost stories can be comforting, haunting, explain mishaps, or just be flat-out entertaining whether you believe in them or not. So, today, I've collected a handful of stories from you, the audience, because who better to hear these kinds of stories from than the people you know in real life? <laughs> so today, I'll be sharing those stories and reacting to them as we go and talking about their place in the pantheon of ghost stories. I want to just precurse everything by saying, hey, if you sent in a story, thank you. I really appreciate that. Sometimes it's hard to put yourself out there and ask for people to essentially provide content for your show that generates no income. So thank you for sharing those. Genuinely means a lot to me. Second, going forward, some of these are going to cover some really spooky details. Whether you choose to believe them or not is up to you. They seemed real to the storyteller, so just keep that in mind as we go. Some of these might be genuinely a little unsettling. The first story I'll be sharing with you today comes from audience member Melissa, who says, Okay, so I went on a ghost tour once and I have experienced seeing the orbs and stuff through the camera lens. More than seeing, though, I have had several experiences where I felt the presence and noticed something was different or off in my house. Sometimes in a creepy way, and sometimes it wasn't. A story like this is very reminiscent of what I believe most people's experience with ghosts or paranormal feelings are, and it's just that, a feeling. Uh, the orbs that this author refers to are very frequently referenced in Ghost Hunter videos, or YouTube videos that try and spot ghosts where sometimes you will see a floating piece of light that's a different color or a different brightness from anything else in the room. And sometimes those orbs, depending on where they can land in a camera shot, get credited to be, oh, the person who resided in this area before is manifesting in this form. Or, oh, my grandma really liked flowers and there's an orb on the exact kind of flowers she liked in this hotel we always stayed at. Things like that pop up all the time. I'm not sure if they're defining evidence, but orbs are very much so a large part of ghost story mythoses. Secondly, 
that feeling that people get, that uneasy feeling of feeling like something is off in your house is universally applicable. I don't think there's a person alive who hasn't felt, okay, something is amiss. And that can be something you feel after you come home from a long trip or maybe it's at night and you have to walk around your house to find something and nothing feels familiar. I know I myself have even seen figures or my mind makes me think I see figures in my childhood back door window. And I know those things were just my childhood mind, but those kind of things are hard to shake off even as an adult walking around my now house in the middle of the night and looking at our back door and thinking, okay, something feels off here, but I know I'm just spooking myself. Our next story comes from listener Jesse. I've seen a ghost. It was in the Dixie State University costume storage area. I was putting away shoes and a woman in a white dress walked past me in the alleyway. I called out hello and looked down all the halls and into the pit and the prop storage, but I was the only one down there. This one's a little bit different from our first one, an actual tangible spotting of a human figure. And this is an actual area I'm familiar with. Jesse and I are old college friends, and we were both in the Dixie State University theater program. So I'm very well familiar with the area she's describing here. Just to give some kind of backstory for what we're looking at, the Dixie State Theater Department was part of what was called the Eccles Theater Building. And our area was pretty much a long, narrow hallway that was filled with practice rooms from musicians, um, a makeup corridor where you could apply your makeup and get dressed and things like that, and there was a costume shed. Well, not really a shed. It was more of an actual room where there were sewing machines. It's kind of off to the right or the left, depending on which end of the hallway you've come from. And uh, she also describes the prop storage area, which to me always felt like the most cursed part of the theater because it was kind of tucked away in the back. You had to take an elevator into a basement to get to it. It was a little a little creepy. It felt like you were being locked away in some kind of Indiana Jones caliber storage shed. And then there's, of course, the pit, which she describes, which is the orchestra pit and also an area you have to go underground to get to where it's very dark. And a lot of ghost stories resolve around being alone at the time when you see it. Very common ghost trope. And women in dresses, also a very common ghost trope. But theater ghosts are something that persists throughout centuries of ghost stories. The old Globe Theater where Shakespeare used to perform used to be haunted. There's a play that Shakespeare wrote called Macbeth that people say is the Scottish player. The name of the play is cursed somehow and you shouldn't say it. Actors and stagehands alike have seen people, former actors maybe, uh, wandering the halls of their theaters or their stages or in the audience, things of that nature. It's very easy to associate something as old as the theater with ghosts and spirits. Heck, when a theater is completely empty, we always put one light out on the stage to keep it illuminated in case anybody walks in, but it's also there supposedly to keep anyone who stayed behind company. Want to know what we call it? It's called a ghost light. Ghost and theater go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly, so I have no doubt that should ghosts be real, Jesse totally saw this person there, especially in southern Utah, which is a whole other haunting in and of itself, which we'll talk about some other time. Our next story comes from Ashley. 
This was in my old apartment in California. I was little, so I don't really remember much, but I was awake one night and my door was open. I was laying down at the end of my bed so I could see down the hallway. I hated the dark, so I got up and closed the door. But when I did, I saw something move into the bathroom, which was right to the right of my room. Could have been my little kid imagination running wild, but it paralyzed me and had me hiding under the covers. This falls into the category of unexplained physical happenstance. Um, sometimes you see something in your house and a room that physically alters what's going on, a door closing, a loud noise happening, um, things of that nature occurring that startle you because you don't know where anyone is, you can't see a human person, and you can't fully explain what you just saw. Add on to the fact that this person was in a dark room when it happened, in their own home, in a bedroom, and trying to look at something as mundane as a bathroom, and then that happens, absolutely you can feel terrified by that. Anyone who's alone at their home and sees a door slam shut or a curtain move the wrong way or a shadow appear that wasn't there before, especially if you're by yourself in the dark, I don't know if it's ghosts, but it certainly is unnerving. And this may even fall into the category, if we really want to up the ante here, of the malicious ghost category, which is the other scarier side of the ghost story. Most of them just revolve around seeing something wrong or off or different or a whole person, but sometimes they do malicious shit, like they want to slam doors, they want to make loud noises, they want to cause harm and discomfort, they want to make your place seem unsettled. It would encourage you to leave or might provoke you to want to stay and get played with more by the ghosts. Ashley, if you're listening, and you probably are, I don't want to say your apartment was haunted, and I definitely don't want to scare you more by saying you may have had a malicious ghost. But you may have. Our next story is less of a ghost story, more of a monster story, but it could be in the ghost ballpark, and I think this one's very interesting. So this comes from Carly. My friend and I went up on the Red Rock Loop at like 2 a.m., there is a place that you can rent horses to ride. Obviously, it was closed because it was 2 in the morning, so we decided to hop into the arena with all these horses. The horses were all huddled in a circle and not really paying attention to us. Then, something spooked them, and we saw two human legs walking between the horses. We started being like, great, we're going to get in big trouble, but then what emerged from the horses was a coyote. We were like, oh, hell no, and booked it to the car. Then, no joke, half a mile down the road, a coyote was sitting in the middle of the road and just sat there staring at us, and it's like its eyes pierced our souls. Prior to discussing this story with this author, they referred to this as an incident where they saw what is called a skinwalker. A skinwalker could be a ghost or a malicious entity, that takes the form of a human, but can also inhabit other forms. So you first you see two human legs walking between the horses, thinks that it's an employee of that area. All of a sudden, it's a coyote. You see that same coyote just staring at you right between your eyes as you're driving, unflinching. That's unsettling at the least, and spooky as fuck at the worst. I did some more research on skinwalkers, and they're kind of a relevant mythos here in the southwestern United States. 
it's a little bit of a Native American myth, but it's essentially the idea that there can be people from the other side who had malicious intent or unfulfilled duties or things of that nature, and they come back, take the form of people, animals, objects, and follow you around, knowing that if you're follow if you're being followed by a skinwalker, that means you must have irritated them somehow, and maybe they're imprinting themselves on you or becoming part of your life for the future. Again, I don't mean to spook anyone here, but if skinwalkers are real, that's kind of a spooky thing to run into. What is most striking about that story to me is the fact that the coyote sat in the middle of the road and just stared them down. Very odd behavior for a coyote who was very usually spooked by large machines. Coyotes are hunted by people out here in the Southwest. We're very familiar with them. They come into our neighborhood. Sometimes they eat our dogs. Um, but for one to not be jittery like that, again, unsettling at the least, spooky as fuck at the worst. Our next story has a very classic feel to it. This author chose to remain anonymous, and it goes a little something like this. My friend got a Papa Smurf from a crane game at a fair one night. She didn't want to keep it because she wasn't really a fan of that show, so she gave it to me. I brought it home, and I put it in my room with my other toys. My grandma came to me in the middle of the night and said, don't show that toy to your mom, which I thought was strange. It was just a Smurf doll. So I asked her, why wouldn't I show mom a Smurf doll? Apparently, when I was little, I had a Smurf doll that was creepy because it would move around. My grandma would tell me that she knew it wasn't me who was moving it because I never played with that toy. I just didn't have any attraction to it and I was the only kid in the house so it would be weird if anybody else was playing with this doll so my mom tried putting it back or taking it out of my room but it would end up back there there was one occasion where according to my grandma and she swears this is true my mom tried to put the toy in a dumpster when I was at school and when she came back from work the doll was in her bed. So after that happened, she was certain this doll was either possessed or someone was playing a prank on her or something like that. So she gave the doll away to another family. And she never saw the doll again. But sometimes I wonder if anything happened to that family if the doll really was possessed. So that's... Okay, I don't know how to explain that one. Doll stories go back as far as time, too. Dolls are very easy things to become attached to, especially with younger children. And younger children having ghost dolls is a very common horror trope because, kind of something back to what we talked about last week, very often children could get sick and pass away. So parents would hang on to their dolls or their favorite toys. And when spiritualism started to really get kickstarted here in the U.S., people would associate children with their dolls and so the mythos of haunted or possessed dolls started coming out of that there's also the very commonly held christian belief that oftentimes demons will manifest themselves as little children or completely harmless objects you've all seen annabelle i'm sure or at least are familiar with annabelle 
the haunted doll from Connecticut that seems to have the ungodly power to be able to kill people or choke them or make them crash into trees with their motorcycles. I'm not saying the Smurf doll is Annabelle or a demon. I don't believe in demons or an afterlife or any of that nonsense, but haunted dolls are a common enough story where you have to wonder how many of those stories become true. I would be very fascinated in finding out about this family who took the doll to see if anything else did happen with that doll. Maybe it was a wild coincidence. Maybe this person's parent had like, I don't know, a relative or someone who was just hyper aware of this doll and made an effort to scare them. It's very possible. Easy prank to pull off if someone's not home a lot, which I'm assuming is the case in this story, given how often this doll moves. But definitely intrigued by that other family. Our next story comes from Thomas. As a kid, I lived in a house built in the 1800s, and one day I woke up because I heard something in the living room. I went out and checked, and there was this old lady just standing there. Then she just kind of disappeared. I told my mom, she said it was nothing. I heard the same thing the next day at like 4.45 a.m., so I checked. Same lady. At this point, I want to just confirm that this is actually happening. So this time, I decided to wait up all night, and I give up at about 3 in the morning, because nobody came. Then I plan to wake up at 3 in the morning and see if she comes. Sure enough, at exactly 4 a.m., my front door, which was inside of a glass porch so no wind can come in, she blows up, she sees me up and says sorry, and shuts the door behind her. Now what's weird is I tell my mom this. I'm like, mom, this lady was going to our hearth. We had this big giant fireplace and was looking for something. So I stayed up to catch her and she just left. My mom Googles it. Before our house was built, there was a tiny little town where my big town now is. And you guessed it, that town burned down. So this lady was coming back to where she died and was so curious about our fireplace. Love that shit. My favorite kind of ghost story. Historical ghosts coming back to revisit where they had died. And just, I don't know, it's funny to me that she was apologetic. I love a non-malicious ghost who's just curious about things. Her town burns down. She comes back to this place where supposedly she had once lived. Maybe that was her home. Maybe it was built where she once lived. But to go back to where you supposedly died and to look at the thing that killed you over and over, first of all, what a shit afterlife. Second of all, very polite of her to apologize. Third of all, what? These kind of things are the things that I just love about ghost stories. How they can explain the weird happenstances or give us more context to our town's history. Our author here doesn't sound like he knew about that prior burning of the town. So wandering around alone at night at 3am, mind you, you know the witching hour to see something or someone that scares him and just stands around ominously and then to learn that about your town after the fact wild coincidence if it is in fact a coincidence i know sometimes i talk about these things like i'm 100 percent in on the joke and i believe and oh this is the obvious explanation it has to be spirits and you know i don't i've been very clear on this i don't believe in ghosts and i'm not here saying our authors are all liars 
but stuff like that is a little bit harder to explain away if you don't have prior knowledge of what happened on your turf. Our last story comes from Vicky. So this house was older, maybe built in the 1800s, maybe the 1920s, which is very old for a house in Las Vegas, but this occurs in New York. The guy who lived in the house before us died in that house. I don't know if he had a heart attack and fell down the stairs, or if he just fell down, but either way, when they found his body, he was crumpled at the foot of the stairs. My dad was a scumbag real estate agent opportunist, and he told this man's children, look, nobody's going to buy this house because your father died in it, so I'm going to take it off your hands for possibly $140,000, which is a lot for a house in the 80s, but it's a huge fucking house. We end up getting the house for a steal. My mom has all these stories about when she first walked in, she felt this unwelcome presence. And my dad would dig through the backyard, and this guy used to bury his trash back there. So my dad would curse him in hell, which is a typical Italian male thing to do. And my mom claims that whenever my dad was around, she would feel uneasy and unwelcome. So she went from room from room and threw holy water around and did other shit. But when dad was home, she would feel unwelcome. Now to be fair, my mom's a liar and would have these convenient narratives to explain whatever she wanted. So whatever, I didn't think much of it. But here's where things get interesting for me. I remember being three or four and sharing a room with my little sister. I remember walking by the room and seeing this guy standing over her. So I came running down the stairs crying and telling my mom there was a guy alone in the room with the baby. But of course, when she came to see, there was nobody there. But that could be easily explained. I was young, who really knows what happened. However, when my older sister got married and our neighbors came to the wedding, one of them was one of my sister's friends. The two of them were chatting with me around 2002, so I'm probably 18 at this point, and they said, God, your house is haunted as shit. They told me that one night, my parents went out, and they were left in the house by themselves, and they heard noises coming from the stairs. They hear walking around the stairs, so they think somebody may be home, but then the sound stops, and then they hear somebody falling down the stairs. Then... They hear somebody walking up the stairs, stopping at the top, walking around, and then falling down the stairs again. They sat quiet and listened to this cycle for 15 minutes over and over, walking up, falling down. They were about 13 or 14 years old at the time, so they weren't exactly young enough to be easily terrified by a noise inside the house. My sister is a science-driven person. She doesn't make these things up. She doesn't believe in ghosts. And also, what the fuck did this guy do in life to have to fall down the stairs for all eternity? That one, that one kind of gets to me. Good build-up, by the way. Having the introduction of the man's death followed by him as a ghost having to relive that experience over and over. Solid payoff. Those kind of ghost stories, I think, are not the most common, but a way that some people find 
to rationalize what may have happened in that house. The family definitely has an awareness of this man and that he died near stairs. So you're alone at night, easily able to convince yourself that certain unknown noises you're hearing could be the ghost of that guy who fell down the stairs, who dad has been cursing all to hell, and mom has been putting holy water in every room to try and avoid. Very much so a prevalent part of this family psyche that there is a man in this house, and there's a ghost, and he fell downstairs. That could be one explanation. The other explanation, of course, is that that house was haunted. Having people who are naturally skeptic suddenly be converted to hearing or seeing or believing in spirits is a great storytelling device and also a very common occurrence. I was reading an article in Popular Science magazine that came out last week ramping up to this episode talking about the whys we see ghosts. And a lot of the scientific explanations have to do with our headspace. Whether that can be, we want so hard for ghosts to be real that we start seeing them. It could be tied to, you know, being alone at night and your mind playing tricks on you. You hear noises, you try and rationalize the noise because that's what your brain wants to do. Our brains hate not knowing things. It's the same kind of mentality that created things like, okay, here comes the hot take, that created things like religion. We didn't understand what happened to people when they die, so we came up with an idea of an afterlife. We couldn't understand all of the scientific things that were happening in the ancient world, so we accredited things like lightning, rain, and wind, and the ocean to different kinds of gods. We didn't understand what happens to our bodies after death, so we go in that direction. We couldn't understand why we want to buck human instincts to do shitty things, so we created a celestial rewards program. Those kind of things, your brain loves to put pieces together even if they don't fit. And it's kind of where the same concept of ghosts come from, according to Popular Science Magazine. And I'm kind of in that ballpark. But that doesn't mean that those feelings of terror, those things we see, aren't necessarily unreal. A lot of the time, they can be. It's very possible to see a spirit, hear a ghost, be afraid of a specter, see a coyote in the middle of the road. Those kind of things aren't our brain always trying to rationalize stuff, especially if you're a naturally skeptical person. Sometimes it's just you experiencing terror. And terror is a very real emotion. Some people never get over things like that. You can't rationalize certain stories away. Maybe there is a paranormal. Maybe there isn't. Maybe the human mind is more powerful than we can imagine. That's what makes ghost stories so interesting to me as a person who has kind of shed the thought of an afterlife and spirits in general. I love being able to discuss those things and explore what makes us frightened, what we're fearful of, the things that we've seen in our lives that we can't explain. That's the coolest thing to me. The things in our lives that we can't explain. A lot of these people, all of these people, I hold to be very intelligent human beings. Some of them have achieved the highest possible achievements in their field. Some of them have gone on to do extraordinary things. Talented writers, great workers, smart people who hold vastly impressive degrees and the common thread between all of them they've seen or experienced ghosts that's cool these people experience something they can't explain or know people who saw something they can't explain people that i trust who know people that they trust 
have experiences they can't explain. And that is the most humanizing thing in the world. We don't know what that is. We don't know how to explain it. So we just tell the stories and those live on forever. That shit rules. I love ghost stories because of that. I hope we never as a society lose our sense of wonder for the terrifying. Thank you for listening to Grant Rants. And thank you again to everyone who submitted a ghost story this week. It humbles me that so many people want to be involved in this project. So thank you again. We'll be back next week. I'll talk about something else in the Halloween spectrum. But for now, have a wonderful week. Stay spooked.